Alright, I want you to notice verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice how he mentions there, he's like, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And when he says that there, he's talking specifically about basically getting these people saved in Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. If you don't have Jesus Christ, then you have nothing. In fact, everything that there is to Christianity, when it comes to you know how we dress, how we act, how we worship, you can do all of those things. You can do every outward thing that we do. And if you're not saved, it's completely worthless. Now, I believe the things that we do are important you know, how we worship, all, how we live, all those things are important. But without Christ, it's just absolutely nothing. Without Christ, you can live in a way that would make all of the IFB happy with you, think that you are great, but you would split hell wide open. Because Jesus Christ is the foundation. Without Him, you have nothing. He's the foundation for other foundation. There is no other foundation for us other than Jesus Christ. He's the main thing. You don't have Him. You have nothing. And so keep that in mind because what I want to preach about tonight is uh, the title is kind of a question. And that is, are we fundamentalists or are we IFB? Are we fundamentalists or are we IFB, meaning independent, fundamental Baptists? And I'm, I'm bringing this up because we're seeing a movement today of people who are claiming to go back to fundamentalism. People are leaving the IFB. Because they're saying that we have veered off from fundamentalism and, you know, and we take offense to that, don't we? I mean, it's like, you know, we own the word fundamental, right? And, you know, and so IFB, we hear that and we're thinking, wait a minute, you know, we're the back to the old past people. And these people are talking about going back to fundamentalism, like we've left it. And it's like, where do, where do we go wrong? And let me tell you, these people are being tricky and they're being deceptive. And I want to, I want you to be able to see through this, but they're see, deceiving a lot of people in the IFB. Because, you know, we've all been taught, too, that fundamentalism is a good thing. We like the word fundamental, don't we? I mean, we get excited when we hear that word fundamental. I mean, we identify that with us. You know, we feel like we own that word, and we do. We like the word fundamental. We like the word fundamentalist. And in the IFB, I mean, we've been fighting for years over who's the most fundamental. I mean, isn't that kind of what we do? That's why there's been so many splits in the IFB, because we're all trying to prove we are the, you know, we've got, you know, the most fundamentalism in you know how we do our church and so we thought about it so much in fact it's gotten so ugly that many people have turned away from the ifb and are being deceived into a lot of false doctrine by groups who seem a lot sweeter than the ifb they don't seem as contentious they don't seem as nasty they're a lot more likable than these dirty old, mean old IFB people who call people names and are mean to women and all that kind of stuff, you know, we get accused of. And these people are calling themselves true fundamentalists while claiming the mean old IFB aren't really fundamentalists. And so it makes it easier for these people who've been taught that fundamental is a good thing when somebody comes along and says, those mean old IFB, they're not really fundamentalists. All of a sudden we're like, well, where they go wrong? I want to be a fundamentalist. I want to be a true fundamentalist. But here's what we've got to understand about words or labels. 
This is very important you get this, especially if these words and labels are not in the Bible. And that is, the, those definitions can be changed over time, and those words can also be hijacked. Okay? We need to understand that the words and definitions, they can change. Words can be, they can be hijacked over times. And so, let's look up the word or the definition of the word fundamental. Okay, this is from the 1828 dictionary, and it means pertaining to the foundation or basis, you know, serving for the foundation, uh, essential, important as a fundamental truth or principle, a fundamental law. Another definition is a leading or primary principle, rule, law, or article which serves as the groundwork of a system, essential part as the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And then the, the term fundamentalist, that is an adherent of fundamentalism, a religious movement characterized by a strict belief in the literal interpretation of the religious text. Now, do we not identify with that word right there? I mean, that, that sounds like us. At least we claim that, right? Notice how part of the definition is foundational. Okay? Foundational. And notice that passage that we read, there's no other foundation than Jesus Christ. Okay, that is the, you know, he is the ultimate fundamental that we have to have, that we all have to agree on. We can't, you know, lean up, uh, you know, link arms. We can't yoke up with the Buddhists and the Muslims and all these other people. No, you got to have Jesus Christ. And, we, and I'm sorry, you know, IFB, we can't link up with the Jews either. They don't have Jesus Christ, so that's not going to work. And so it seems to me that a fundamentalist is someone who strictly adheres to foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. But here's the big question. This is important. And a lot of these people, too, that are making these claims about the IFB, you know, they're not making logical sense with what they're saying. Uh, what they're saying sounds real good when they're standing there unchallenged. Okay? Any, anybody can stand there and win a debate unchallenged. But when you, think about, when you think these things through, take them to this logical conclusion, you're like, this doesn't even make sense, the things people are saying. But here's, here's the question. Who decides what are the essential doctrines? Who decides that? Who decides what's essential? Who decides what's primary, secondary, tertiary? Who, who decides that? Because you hear these people all the time, you, know, you shouldn't split, you know, you shouldn't break fellowship over secondary doctrine. Okay, well, I agree with that statement, but um, what if I think the virgin birth of Christ is a secondary doctrine? Oh, no, 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 that's primary. Well, okay, says who? Who decides that? Who decides what are these things? And so the big push right now that everyone's doing is they're claiming that the fundamentals, this is what they're, because one thing we've lost the ability to do in the religious world, we've lost the ability to communicate with people and to figure out where they're actually coming from. We're so anxious to prove how the other side is wrong on everything that what we do is, especially preachers, when they want to get up and they want to debate, you know, they want to have a debate where the other person isn't there, what they do is they set up rules for the debate that are all geared in a way that only they can win. You know, they come up with all these rules that are going to benefit them, but they don't actually make sense. Okay? They don't get to the bottom of things. And we've lost this ability to actually find out what people are thinking. Because what we do in the religious world, we all want to just kind of put people in categories and just assume we know everything about them. If somebody graduated from a certain Bible college, we know everything about you. You're IFB. We know everything about you. Y'all are legalistic. You hate women. You're racist. You know, all the things that they want to throw at us all the time. 
you know, we hear one of those guys say something a little trendy. Oh, you're a trendy. You wear skinny jeans. You're effeminate. You're okay with homos. You know, we, that, we just, we, uh, we put them in these boxes, don't we? And we rarely are able to get to the point where we can actually find out what the person actually believes, find out where the disagreements are, and then communicate those things. You know, we have people in the IFB who they hear somebody use a word, they hear the word repentance, and all of a sudden, heretic, work salvation. They just assume all of these things about them. Oh, he's got a southern accent. You know, they're obviously camp meeting. You know, they're, you know, they have all, you know, we just, we always want to put them in boxes. You know why? Because we're lazy. And what we're wanting to do, especially pastors, when they want to get up and preach on something, they just want to get up and be able to feel like, I completely debunked the other side. Everybody else is heretics. They're all unsaved. Only listen to me. You know, that's what we want to do. But if we're not actually getting to the bottom of things, finding out where the differences are, then we're not really accomplishing anything. You know what we're just doing? We're fighting at that point. We're just splitting hairs over weird things. And so what a lot of these people are doing now is they have decided, because remember, fundamental, that word's not in the Bible. So we can't really define it biblically. So, you know, are we going to strictly adhere to what Webster says in 1828? But even then... He doesn't specify what a fundamentalist believes. So the thing is, what a lot of these people are doing, they're pushing this idea that fundamentalists or um, fundamentalism is it has to line up with something that was decided a group of beliefs that were decided on in 1910 by a bunch of Protestants. And the, um, there was a uh, volume of essays that were written in between 1910 and 1915 called the fundamentals that's what they were called a testimony to the truth they were put out by the te um, testimony publishing company of chicago it was initially published quarterly in 12 volumes then republished in 1917 by the bible institute of los angeles as a four volume set according to its foreword the publication was designed to be a new statement of the fundamentals of christianity however its contents reflect a concern with certain theological innovations related to liberal Christianity, especially higher criticism. It is widely considered to be the foundation of modern Christian fundamentalism. Okay, Now, here's the thing. You study who these people were. Let me tell you, they weren't IFB. They're not us. It was mostly Protestants that were, th that were a part of this group. But they got together... And they decided these are the fundamentals and we're all just supposed to accept that. And if we think something else should be a fundamental doctrine, we're not real fundamentalists, according to them. But here's the thing. We are not fundamentalists. We're IFB. There's a difference. And I'll show you that here in a little bit. But uh, so here it says the project was conceived in 1909 by California businessman. Lyman Stewart, the founder of Union Oil and a devout Presbyterian and dispensationalist. That sounds like a good group we should be following. He and his brother Milton anonymously provided funds for composing, printing, and distributing the publication. The project had three successive editors, A.C. Dixon, Lewis Meyer, and Reuben Archer Torrey. R.A. Torrey is a pretty famous name. A lot of you might recognize. Uh, the, the essays were written by 64 different authors representing most of the major Protestant Christian denominations. It was mailed free of charge to ministers, missionaries, professors uh, of theology, YMCA, YWCA, 
secretaries, Sunday school superintendents, and other Protestant religious workers in the United States and other English-speaking countries. Over 3 million volumes were sent out. Now, here's the thing about all these Protestant groups, too. Let me just say this about the, those original fundamentalists in 1910 and their fundamentals they came up with. They fell short big time, and what they tried to accomplish failed miserably. Proof of that is pretty much every group that's mentioned in there is completely apostate today. Let me ask you, did, did, is what they taught then still being promoted by the YMCA and the YWCA? Has anybody seen what the YWCA promotes today? Feminism. Feminism is what they promote. And not just feminism, they promote every bit of left-wing propaganda that's out there. Black Lives Matter, I mean, LGBT junk. I mean, it's, uh, it's garbage, everything they push. Most of these groups, when you read about it, and it's just like, this was a failure. Because here we are a little over 100 years later, and none of these people are what anyone would consider even that kind of fundamentalist. They are completely apostate. But yet, people are looking at this and saying, no, We've got to get back to that. Why? It failed. They, it messed up. They came short because they did not, their, their, uh, their fundamentals, there weren't enough. They weren't specific enough. The, the uh, volumes, it defended Orthodox Protestant beliefs and it attacked higher criticism, liberal theology, Romanism, socialism, modernism, atheism, Christian science, Mormonism, uh, millennial Dawn, uh, that were also known as Russellites, which later split into a group, uh, which is where we know, now know as the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, that, but it, uh, it went against spiritualism, uh, evolution. But, and we say, well, that all sounds good, right? Because some of that was getting into churches even back then. And a lot of these Protestants were like, man, you know, we've got to stop this. This is getting out of hand. It's getting too bad. We've got to decide on what the fundamentals are. And you know, we're going to unite around these things. We're all going to follow these things. And so here's the five fundamentals that they came up with, okay? And let me just say, every one of these are true. We believe in all five of these fundamentals that they came up with, but let me just say, they fell short big time. These can't be the only five fundamentals, folks. The, it, I, we are not going to fellowship with people as long as they give lip service to just these five doctrines. These should be, there should be a lot more. Than this, and I'm going to show you why here in a little bit, but the, here's the five fundamentals. The inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible. We believe that, don't we? That's good. The virgin birth of Christ. We believe that. The substitutionary atonement of Christ. The bodily resurrection of Christ. And the uh, historicity of biblical miracles. A lot of people were teaching those mir the stories of the miracles. They were just kind of you know fables, inspirational stories. They didn't really happen. I mean, that was going on even back then. And so every one of these things are right. We believe every one of these fundamentals. But I'm here today to tell you this was not enough. And so this specific use of the word fundamental has never in any way been used to describe a strict adherence to only these five doctrines by any independent fundamental Baptist I've ever heard of in my life. Nobody's ever done that, okay? What people say is important. Now get this, what people say is important, but what people mean is more important. You know, we need to figure that out. We're always wanting to label somebody a heretic because they use a specific terminology. I'm tired of listening to these Calvinists 
prove that certain people in history were Calvinists. And, and their proof is they'll show where they use the word predestination. And it's like, we believe in predestination. We believe that saved people were predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So we believe in predestination. Hey, here's a quote for the future. I believe in predestination. But you know what? I hope nobody in the future ever says I'm a Cal- I was a Calvinist. Because I ain't no stinking Calvinist, folks. Not, not at all. But I do believe in predestination. They'll just find... They'll, and they do the, the pre-tribbers do the same thing too. When they want to prove throughout history they believed in a pre-trib rapture, they'll just find something where somebody you know, said they believed in a literal return of Jesus Christ or they said something about watching for us coming. Oh, they obviously believed in eminency. They obviously were pre-trib. You know, or they'll even talk about too how the uh, return of Christ is going to come before he pours his wrath out on this earth. And then they'll say that's proof they were pre-trib. But it's like, wait, we believe that too. So understand you know, what people say is important. We should be very careful in how we term things. We should be careful in our terminology. We want to make sure we're sending the right message. We don't want to confuse people with what we say. That is important. But just because somebody says something a certain way, it doesn't always mean that they believe what we think that they believe. And if we start accusing them of those things, we're just going to end up not accomplishing anything. And we, and we see it, and it's terrible, where people, they just hear, they hear a certain word and it just triggers them. Heretic, not saved. I'm sorry, you're a clown. You're not objective. You're not listening. And you're not going to help anybody. You know, and we don't want to be that way. So, um, let me explain why calling ourselves independent fundamental Baptists. We use that word, fundamental. But that in no way connects us to what happened in 1910. Okay, but we still use that word just because we're using that word. And here's what they do. It's just kind of a, a phony thing that they come up with is they tell you this is what fundamental means. This is what fundamentalist means. 1910. And then, you know, we separate with people who, will, who give lip service to these five doctrines and they'll say, see, you're not a real fundamentalist, you're a separatist. No, I'm sorry, I'm not. I never claim to be a fundamentalist with this definition. I claim to be IFB. And let me show you how that is completely different. So first off, the word independent. Okay? The word independent, this is very important. Okay? Because as independent, as an independent church, why would we ever let a group of different denominations or even our own denomination decide on what we consider foundational for us. How does us, how does us as an independent autonomous church, how would it make sense that we would let a group of Protestants decide that for us? Why would we recognize that? So great, a group of Protestants got together in 1910 and they decided what the fundamentals were. Why would we go along with that? Hey, hey if, if a group of I, uh, independent fundamental Baptists get together and they come up, with the set of fundamentals. There's a lot of independent fundamental Baptists out there that will tell you if you're not pre-trib, you're not really an independent fundamental Baptist. Okay. So what? Well, we had, you know, 37 churches get together and they decided that was a fundamental of being the IFB. Okay. But we're still independent. So we don't have to accept your, you know, 37 things that you came up with. We're still an independent church. So why would we even go along with that? And and hold and I I don't think independent fundamental Baptists ever tried doing anything like that. Can you imagine though? 
want to fight that. Imagine just at the new IFB, tried having a council together to decide on things. Can you imagine what a bloodbath and a dumpster fire that would be? I mean, <laughs> it just that would be a joke. And you know why? Because it's not supposed to happen. And if we were able to, if, even if the new IFB was able to walk away with anything on paper that we had in common, it would only be accomplished through tons of compromise on everyone's part. And the thing is, we don't compromise. <laughs> and so it would just turn into a bloodbath. It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't work. It would be an absolute joke. And, you know, and this was a joke that happened back then. So uh, just the fact that we use that word independent right there, that separates us from this group in 1910. So don't let anybody fool you into thinking you've departed from what they did, the fundamentalists did in 1910. We were never a part of it. We were never a part of that. It has nothing to do with us. That very word independent separates us from the fundamentalists of 1910. Second, the word Baptist. Okay? Now, there are, we, we have never claimed to just be a fundamentalist church. We are an independent fundamental Baptist church. Okay? And there are certain Baptist distinctives that Baptists have always believed. In fact, it would be foolish to call yourself a Baptist if you didn't believe in all the Baptist distinctives. They, they, there are certain things that every doctrines that everyone is always associated with the Baptist. Now, those aren't the only things that we believe. When we talk about Baptist distinctives, those aren't the only things we believe. Those are just things that are, are very distinct to the Baptists. There might be some other religions here and there that have some of those, but nobody has all of them. Because, you know, we believe, you know, Catholics believe in the virgin birth of Christ, but we don't claim the virgin birth as a Baptist distinctive, do we? You know why? Because that includes way too many groups. We, the Baptist distinctives that we claim are things that are mostly unique to Baptists. And, if, and you're not going to find another group out there that has all of the Baptist distinctives. And if they do, they might as well just call themselves Baptist at that point. Because that they are. Because again, we're not fundamentalists. We're IFB. Okay? And we are not just a fundamentalist church. Okay? Because we're a church. But the adjectives that we put before church, those things matter and they identify us. We're a church, but we have some adjectives we put before it that identify us and independent identifies us. Baptist identifies us. One of the Baptist distinctives too is the autonomy of the local church. So again, if we call ourselves independent Baptist and then identify ourselves with the fundamentalists of 1910, those things just completely contradict. They, they don't go together. It doesn't make sense. So don't let anybody fool you into thinking we ever were a part of this. Uh, the, the third adjective too, fundamental. Okay? So yes, we use the word fundamental before we get to church. And yes, the, all those Protestants use that word too, but that doesn't mean we have to have only the fundamentals that they have. What we're just saying is, as fundamental Baptists is, in fact, um, I found this definition that was online. This isn't something I came up with, but um, I, I agree with it. It says the word fundamental means the Baptist church uses the New Testament strictly as its authority for faith, doctrine, and practice. Fundamental Baptists are uh, the, uh, use the name in its strictest sense as meaning to hold soundly 
the fundamentals of the New Testament teachings without error. Not just five fundamentals, New Testament teachings. It says, true independent fundamental Baptist churches uphold the purest teachings of the early church as revealed in the New Testament. And so right, this right here is what each church should be striving for, and no one can do this for them. Y'all understand that? We have to do this ourselves. Every church needs to go to the Scriptures, and you know what they need to do? They need to figure out what we believe. And you know what? You know another one at Baptist Distinctive? Individual soul liberty. It's another Baptist Distinctive. We don't believe that the government or other groups out there can force us to believe a certain set of beliefs. We don't accept that. We don't, we don't believe that. We believe it's up to the individual. So understand, as, as a church, we've got to figure that stuff out. So again, to call ourselves independent fundamental Baptists in no way associates us with a group of Protestants from 1910. This church started 10 years ago in 2011. And you know what? We've been studying the Scriptures. We decide what we believe. We have our own doctrinal statement. We have our own statement of faith that we have put out as a church and that's what we believe and what we are trying to do and we're not perfect but to the best of our ability you know what we're trying to do we're trying to follow the scriptures just like they are in the bible and it's up to us to do that and we are the governing authority over that not some other group out there so don't let some you know you know queer little dude in skinny jeans come along and tell you you're not really a fundamentalist we're the fundamentalist yeah I don't know. I, I, I just don't picture any of those old fundamentalists being anything like... I picture them being more like us. I don't think they had, I don't think they had the feminists like that in leadership anywhere back then. People, you had to be a man back then. They didn't have uh, you know, Starbucks and you know, all the things that these people have to survive on. and uh, They didn't have political correctness where you weren't allowed to make fun of them for being a feminine. You get beat up back then if you were queer like that. You had to, you had to be tough. It was just the way it was. But what I want to do... In the rest of this message, though, I want to show you why these five fundamentals clearly are not a good basis for fellowship and why they fell so short. Okay? And, and one bonus really, uh, reason it is because all those religions that signed up are basically apostate today. Their mission failed. Okay? We've, we can look back 100 years la- 110 years later and say, you know what they tried to accomplish back then? Failed. Bad. I mean, you, you go find the gospel preaching Presbyterian pastor out there today. You know, go find it. You know what we see? I mean, the Presbyterians are some of the biggest ones pushing the LGBT stuff in churches. I mean, there's some of the worst on that. It's an absolute uh, shame what's going on. But let's talk about these five fundamentals and see if there's anything missing. Because there's a lot of things missing. Right? I'm not going to stand up here today and give you a new list of fundamentals we have to have. I think, um, I, you know, Obviously, there's a lot. We're not going to throw stuff out. And at, at the end of the day, uh, we're not looking to get a new group of churches to sign on to these things. We're not looking to start some movement, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the only movement that we're interested in is one that got started in 2011, and that was Liberty Baptist Church. And we're going to advance that movement, and that's it. All, and so, first thing is the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible. Yes, that should be a fundamental of the faith. That should be a foundational teaching. And I, and I get it, you know, because we, we can say, well, Jesus, as long as you got Jesus. But really, does, is everybody out there claiming Jesus today? Teaching truth? 
I mean, Catholics claim Jesus. A lot of Muslims that I talk to about soul they try to act like they believe in Jesus. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, we believe in the same God as you. You know, we just call him Allah. You know, you guys go through Jesus. We bypass Jesus, go to Allah. Sorry, that doesn't work. No man comes to the Father but by him. Allah didn't have a son. God did have a son. His name is Jesus. Not the same, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? So even, even a Muslim, I've had many Muslims try to tell me, yeah, I believe in Jesus. No, they don't. You know, it, it doesn't even make sense. So, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Scripture is, in fact, inspired by God. We have a verse in the Bible just flat out telling us. All of it. Every bit of it is inspired. You better believe that's foundational because what we believe about Jesus Christ it's not based on any of our own personal experience and interaction with Jesus. You know what our, it's based on? The Bible. Everything we know about Jesus, we know from the Bible. So, again, people can claim to believe in Jesus, but if, it, if the, their Jesus doesn't line up with the Bible, then it's, it's not really Him, is it? We, this, is found, this is foundational. And it says, and so, but here's the thing about that, though. How can this scripture be fulfilled if we don't have a perfect Bible? Because we've got all these people out there too criticizing King James Onlyism. I mean, viciously attacking it and then trying to say, we believe in the inspiration and inerrancy of the scriptures. Oh, really? You're always talking about all the mistakes in my Bible. You know, so how do you believe in the inerrancy of the scriptures? Well, you know, we believe it was inspired in the originals, but they don't have any that they can refer to. And let me just tell you, we have to have an inspired book somewhere. Otherwise, this passage can't be fulfilled because let's read verse 12. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 12, Yea, and all the will of godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, when Paul said this to Timothy, he said, you've known the holy scriptures. He wasn't referring necessarily to Timothy hearing the words come from God's mouth or even from the mouth of the prophets. He is referring to the scriptures, the written words of God. And he said, you've known them from the child. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then it says in verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, folks, how can we do this if we don't have a perfect Bible? How can I be complete if I don't have all the Bible? How can I be complete if my Bible is an error? How can I, how can I be thoroughly furnished unto all good works if there's mistakes in my Bible? That doesn't make any sense. So the thing is, these people, they say, well, you know, I, I, I think the King James Bible's got all kinds of problems. I like using the ESV, the NIV, or whatever. I, 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 like, I think any of the Bibles are fine. I think all of them are God's Word. You know, and we should, we should be able to fellowship. But you know what? I'm sorry. I don't want to fellowship with, I don't want to fellowship with non-KJV only people. Even if you convince me it's not a fundamental and, you know, they're saved or whatever. And I think, I think some people aren't KJV only or saved. But at the same time, I don't want to fellowship with them. You know why? There's just going to be too many disagreements. We're just not going to get along. We, and we've got nothing to settle the arguments. There's nothing to settle any argument. And you know, I, at least with, 
our King James only brethren where we disagree, I at least feel like with them, if they actually do believe that King James Bible, if we could actually sit down and if I could get them to listen to me, I just feel like I could win them over. You know why? Because we do have an authority. And sometimes people are stubborn on it. But you know what? When somebody does not believe that this book is without error, then I feel like we have no authority. So it's like playing a game with no referee. You know, and, and some games just aren't going to work very good without a referee. Some games you have to have a referee. And let me tell you, if we're going to have a debate when it comes to doctrine, we've got to have a referee. We've got to have a moderator. And, and it can't be some dude just trying to you know, you know, follow his rules. No, this is it right here. And this decides it. And if I'm sorry, but you claiming to, just because you give lip service to the inerrancy of the Scriptures doesn't mean you actually believe it. And I think the way that we can identify it today in America is whether or not these people actually believe in the King James Bible. And, if, and so if they don't, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not saying that they're all unsaved, but I'm just saying I don't want to, I'm not interested in wasting my time with them. You know, I hope they go and accidentally get people saved in their other Bibles. And, you know, I hope they do some good stuff and I, you know, I wish them all the best. But, you know, what? I'm not working with them. And a lot of people don't like that. But, you know what? We're an independent church. We don't have to fellowship with everybody. We're not commanded to fellowship with everybody. And they don't have to fellowship with us. And so um, that's just an area where we draw the line. We're not going to have, you know, God, King James Bible correctors come preach here. We're, we're just not going to do it. I'll go preach for them so I can try to straighten them out. But, you know, they're, they're not, they're not going to come and preach here. So, because uh, the written words are holy, not just the spoken words. Because they say, well, you know, the Word of God was inspired when God said it. So whatever God said, whatever God promised, that promise is still out there. Okay, but the thing is, if we don't have it written down, how are we supposed to benefit from it? How are we supposed to know it? How are we supposed to learn from it? How are we supposed to claim it if it's not written down somewhere? It's not just the spoken Word of God. It's what's written. It's the Scriptures. It's the scriptures. What was written down is inspired and we still have it. And, and so I do believe that that is um, that, you know, that's a test of fellowship when it comes to me. So the second thing is the virgin birth of Christ. Now, I think pretty much everybody, you know, across the board believes this. But, you know, first Isaiah seven fourteen, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I don't know of any Protestants that don't that just give lip service to the virgin birth of Christ. Uh, thankfully, I think that's one for the most part we got pretty good. Even the Catholics have it. Um, there is the brand new teaching that I heard recently that um, you know Mary uh, didn't. She was just the oven, and you know, God didn't even use her egg. And it's just like. Then how did she con- how did she conceive? You know, I don't know where that came from. Uh, that just came out of nowhere. I literally don't. I don't know of any religion that has ever taught anything like that. I think everybody believes Jesus was born of Mary. You know, he had a lineage. He was the son of David. Okay? If he listen, if, if he didn't have any of Mary's DNA, how was he the son of David? You know, it, it wasn't just 
a legal thing. It was a physical thing. How did he take on him the seed of Abraham? So I, I think that I don't even think we need to talk too much about this one. But Matthew one eighteen talks about it. Luke one thirty one one thirty two through thirty five. Uh, we we all know that. We're not going to take the time to read that. But the aversion birth is important because it shows the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. It shows who his father was. It testifies to the deity of Christ. And listen, the deity of Christ should be a fundamental all by itself. I mean, I'm surprised that that's not one. I mean, that's an easy one. The deity of Christ. You have to believe that he was God. You have to. And, and, and not, just, not just the deity of Christ, but how about the Trinity? You have to believe the Trinity too. I mean, if, if, you, do, if you deny the Trinity, how in the world can you call yourself you know, a believer in this, this Bible? How is that not clearly a fundamental specified all by itself, the deity of Christ, the Trinity. I'll tell you why, because you know, this 1910 group was a joke. Now, I imagine most of them, and here's the thing too, if you were to read all the volumes of those fundamentals, they probably go into greater detail on all of those, and they probably mention the deity of Christ. I'm sure they probably talk about the Trinity, because you know there were several volumes of those things, and I've not read all, all of them. But here's the thing about that. Everybody's focusing so much just on these five fundamentals that you can just say in one sentence that, uh, you know, what anybody who gives lip service, they are accepting them as fundamentalists. They are accepting them as candidates for fellowship. But folks, that's, that's not the case because, uh, well, let, let's look at some more. Uh, let's look at some more examples. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Now, Again, Jesus took our place on the cross. Jesus made our atonement on the cross. There's no doubt about that. You know, it says in Hebrews 10:9, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, and he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and their minds. I will write them and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Y'all see that? Jesus offered up himself as the offering, and there's no more offering for sin. Okay? Now, that is an easy thing to give lip service to. Oh, I believe in the substitutionary death of Christ. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Okay, I'm glad. But then, some people say, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he was my substitute. But I also believe i got to repent of my sins to be saved. I got to be a good person. I got to be. I got to be baptized, folks. What are these things? You know what those are? Offerings for sins. Your works that you're doing are offerings for sin. So yes, they're giving lip service. A Catholic will tell you, "I believe Jesus died on the cross for me," but they will also tell you, "I got to be a good person. I got to endure to the end." Or I've you know the uh, Arminians. I got to. I got to hold on to my faith. I can't let go. That's what, they'll, that's what they'll tell you. 
And so they're giving lip service to the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. But the Bible very clearly, when talking about his subs- him being our substitute, he says there's no more offering for sins. Jesus Christ was the only offering. Here's the question. Do you accept that or do you reject it? Do you believe that or do you not believe it? Are you taking just that? Are you claiming just that? Or are you claiming that and your works? God's not going to accept your works. We see in the Bible, when they, they only added one work at first, all they did was added circumcision. It was just one work. But what did Paul say? A little leaven leavened at the whole lump. He said, you've fallen from grace. That one work, that one work, well, I don't, we don't do circumcision. Well, it doesn't matter what the work is. You pick any work in the world you want to. It still works. If you believe that you got to believe on Christ and pick your nose, you added a work and you're going to go to hell. As a result of it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So lip service isn't enough. You know, what about eternal security? I mean, what about eternal security? It says in Hebrews 10, we're talking about the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. It says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more unless they let go of me. Unless they quit having faith. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. It's When you get saved, it's done. It's done. That's it. You're saved. You can't change that. It, God is never going to remember your sins again. You can't make Him bring it back up by walking away from your faith. You know, oh, I get it. No one can pluck you out of His hand, but you can walk out of His hand. That's the, No, that, that's not right. And I'm sorry if you tell me that you believe in the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ, but then you teach you have some kind of work salvation, you don't really believe that. If you say you believe that, but then you teach you can lose your salvation, you don't really believe that, according to the Bible. But people are giving lip service to that today, and we've got a bunch of trendies out there saying, they're fundamentalists, we should fellowship with them. I'm sorry, I'm not fellowshipping with people that think you can lose your salvation. Not, not happening. Not going to do that. These people, um, they are not my brothers. I don't, I don't even believe they're saved. So forget that. So the fourth thing, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we're running out of time on this, but turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. I didn't say this, Paul said this. And listen, if somebody can show me where I am wrong, I'm misusing this, I'll admit it, but I'm just, let me just show you what I am clearly reading in the scripture. He says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. You think we should probably agree on the gospel? I think we need to agree on the gospel, don't we? So the gospel which I have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. We're saved by the gospel. If ye keep in memory what what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now, what does that mean to believe in vain? Is this what the old IFB teaches? You know, I don't know if you really got it. You know? You're, you know, if you're having doubts about your salvation, you know, maybe you didn't really mean it. You know, did you really repent of your sins? You know, I'd get to the altar and just make sure. You know, we haven't had any salvations in a while or any baptisms, so let's get a few of our church folks saved again. What does it mean to believe in vain? Here's what it means to believe in vain. You know what it means? It's, a, it's specifically what he's talking about here. It can be more things, but specifically what he's talking about here, it's a belief in Christ without the resurrection. Folks, if you believe in the death of Jesus Christ, but you don't believe in a literal resurrection, you don't believe the gospel. That's what he's talking about here. It says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. The gospel I'm giving you is what I received. 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's good. And that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then He goes on and He gives all these examples of people that saw it. He, this, this is the resurrection chapter right here. 58 verses is all about the resurrection. Paul is, when he talks about believing in vain, he's talking about a belief in uh, the gospel that does not include the resurrection. And you say, well, who would even teach that? Well, we see here in verse um, 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So right there, that's what he, this is what he's dealing with. There were people there that claimed to be, believe the gospel, that gave lip service to the gospel. Hey, as long as we're all gospel-centered. Well, yeah, but you've got to believe all the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection, not just the death and burial. It's the resurrection. And folks, not just the resur resurrection of Christ. It's not just that. You have to believe in the resurrection of the believers. I didn't say this. Paul said this. He says... Um, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, that's referring to our resurrection. The resurrection that the Pharisees, they believed in a resurrection of the dead, while the Sadducees didn't. He said, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. If there, Listen, a gospel without the resurrection is vain. Salvation without, or without the resurrection, it's in vain. It says, yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Folks, I didn't say it. Paul said it. If you don't believe in a literal resurrection of the dead, you don't believe in a literal resurrection of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection, the first fruits of them that slept. And it's not just, it's a package deal. You can't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of literal resurrection, and not believe in the resurrection of the believers. And there are people out there today who are also, by these trendies, being included in their camps, being included as fundamentalists, being included as people to fellowship with, people who are preterists, full preterists. People who do not believe in a literal resurrection. If you don't believe in a literal resurrection, you're not saved. End of story. And I'm not quick to do that. I'm sick of people. If you don't believe this, if you believe, you know, if you don't believe exactly, you're just not saved. But folks, we've got a clear verse here. Paul said that. Okay. I'm not talking about some punk out there online wanting to throw everybody in hell who disagrees with them. No, the apostle Paul said it. The apostle Paul said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, Christ isn't risen. If Christ isn't risen, our preaching is vain. Your faith is vain. Believing in vain is believing in a gospel without the resurrection. That, that, that's what that means right there. And so understand that a lot of people are still out there giving lip service to the fundamental of the resurrect, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. But folks, you start looking into what they believe across the board, they don't believe in it. They, you can say that you do all you want, but it doesn't change the fact they don't. So, the last one is the historicity of the biblical miracles. Okay? Hebrews 2.3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? 
God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. God proved the words of Jesus Christ by the miracles that Jesus did. That's how, that's how we know he was who he said he was, by those miracles that he did. The miracles are what prove God. Those miracles are what prove the Bible. But you know what? You want to talk about, we want to talk about some of those miracles? How about the creation miracle? Do you know that they are also including people who don't even believe in a literal six-day creation as fundamentalists? Day-age theory type people. I mean, there's people have all... I mean, I, there's people out there today that are calling themselves Christians, being accepted by these people who believe in evolution. Folks, evolution was one of the reasons those... Those group guys got together in 1910. That was one of the things creeping in. And they're like, we got to stand against this. And we've got, so we've got some guy in skinny jeans comes along and he's like, oh, I don't, I don't believe in creation. I believe in evolution. You know, I, you just, I just can't get past all the science. You know, the fossils, the dinosaurs, blah, blah, you know, all that stuff. You know, I, but, but, you know, I believe in the miracles of Jesus Christ. So I'm a fundamentalist. No, you're not. No, you are not. You, or you do not believe this Bible. You are not a brother. I'm sorry, you don't believe this Bible. That's they're just giving lip service, and so it's lip service that they're giving these doctrines, so they can be in the camp of fundamentalists. Because people like you and me, we hear that word fundamentalist, and we think that's good. I can trust them. But understand, this fundamentalism that's being pushed, this is not what we are. It is not what we claim to be. We are independent fundamental Baptists. We are not fundamentalists of the 1910 persuasion. So, uh, like I said, lip service to a short summary of doctrine, it's not enough. Okay, and like I said, I haven't read all the volumes of the fundamentals, but I would assume they probably did go into greater detail on things like the resurrection, on the virgin birth, but everyone's ignoring those things today and are just going by those five short sentences that a lot of people could claim. A Muslims could fit some of this criteria. Yeah, I believe Jesus did miracles. Okay, you know, oh, he's a, he's a brother. I don't believe he, you know, I have to go to him to get to God or to Allah. You know, I'm sorry, these people aren't, these people aren't brothers. Because here's what we need to understand about false doctrine. It creeps in. That's the way this works. It creeps in, folks. Pete, nobody's going to come in and just say, I deny the virgin birth. They're not going to do that. They're going to teach whacked out stuff on the virgin birth. You know? That, that, that's how that's how that works. He says, 2 Timothy 3, 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despises those that are good. Man, these people don't like us very much, too. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. They love talking about drinking their beer and all their worldly partying stuff that they do. Having a form of godliness. Uh, they, I don't even know what the form of godliness anymore. I think they think their sweet talk is their form of godliness. But it just sounds effeminate to me, so I don't think it's a form of godliness. But denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Turn away from them. Not fellowshipping with them. Um, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. 
ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, for they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And let me think, these guys are all going to be exposed. And, and you know what? They already are exposed. Folks, if you are denying creation and the six-day creation and teaching evolution, you've been manifest. Your folly has been manifest. Right? When you're teaching a resurrection of Christ without the resurrection of the believers, your folly has been made manifest. We know what you are. You know, we, we know what these people are. These people, they're not just going to come in and tell everyone they're a false prophet. Nobody does that. They're going to pretend they're on your side. They're going to say, we're not here to take away your King James Bible. I love the King James Bible. I think it's fantastic. I think it's fabulous. But I like the NIV too. That's what they do. You know, and they're going to pretend they're on their side. But listen, if we accept them, okay, if we accept their little bit of leaven, that's what they're always trying to do. I just want to give you a little bit of leaven. Just include me in your group. Yeah, we're a little different. Listen, we're not falling for that. More things. There's a lot more things that should be fundamental. So eternal security, that should be a fundamental. You don't even have salvation without eternal security. You know, universal blood atonement. That throws Calvinists out. I think that ought to be a fundamental. So, you know, we can, we can go on and on. There's so many uh, doctrines that are, they're foundational. They're, they're, they're critical to what we believe. And we, you know, we can decide what those are for ourselves. We can decide who we're going to fellowship, who we're not going to fellowship. We're not quite required to fellowship with everybody. There's some people we're not going to fellowship with just because they're knuckleheads. You know, they might not even be heretics, but just, I'm sorry, you know, you're just kind of crazy. You're a knucklehead, you know, and we're not going to fellowship with you. We don't have to. We are not 19 fundamental, fundamentalists. We're independent, fundamental, Baptists. That's what we are, and so it's important we know the difference. So let's pray. Dear Lord. I pray that this message was a help to everyone. I pray you'll help us to uh, not be fooled by these uh, false prophets that are out there. Lord, they've been manifest. Lord, it's already been manifest. And Lord, I just pray that you'll continue to use these false prophets uh, to reveal the tares that are among us uh, in churches today. And I pray that they will uh, continue being lifted up with pride so they will uh, not uh, hide what they really are and people will be able to see it. And I just pray that you'll help us to uh, just stand strong during these times. In your name we pray. Amen.